And dance truly does empower us. And it gives us inner strength, renewed confidence. It helps us out. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. This episode is brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, online platform where you can get access to all my teaching materials at once. Hundreds of technique drills, multiple choreographies, themed intensives, full-length courses, everything you can think about. Whether 20 minutes or few hours for practice, you will find a program that will fit not only your schedule, but your mood as well. First seven days are free, so check it out at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes. Hello, my dear dancers, uh, how are you doing? How was your week? Are you ready for another episode of the Ballet Dance Life podcast? <laughs> I am truly delighted to present our today's guest, absolutely amazing Asmara. She definitely goes beyond just movements and steps in her dance exploration and dance presentation. Her insight into movement, music, and connecting emotions with dance marks her as unforgettable teacher and performer. Dance is emotion. Emotion is almost like her philosophy, and it really exactly describes Asmara. For over 40 years, she has been inspiring dancers as a teacher and performer with international tours, workshops, and seminars across USA and Europe. As a master teacher, her deep love of the dance shines out to everything she teaches to everyone who comes to her classes, from beginners to professionals, leading them to find their own expressive passion in the dance. In the 80s and 90s, she was co-director of two dance companies, the award-winning Middle Eastern Dance Company Oriental Images and the groundbreaking SAS Dance Theatre, creating themed concert events, folkloric and innovative dances. Asmara's articles have appeared in The Gilded Serpent, Buzz, The Band Magazine, and her instructional DVD, Balladance, The Secret Desire, has received very high recognition. In this interview, we covered so many deep and important topics for all dancers to think about, to be aware about, and to pay attention to, from... Uh, musicality and the concept of musicality and dance and connecting it to emotions uh, um, leading to moments of improvisation and Asmara even shared a couple of exercises that she used for herself as well as she regularly teaches in workshops that you can successfully do on your own at home and they will really broaden up your movement vocabulary and your 
attachment to your body, your connection to your body and understanding and freedom in improvisation. Also, we talked about dance as a healing tool, dance as a self-exploration tool. Of course, we talked about her dancers' philosophies and what is does it mean to be musical dancer. And we dive deep into the music too, her love to music, her study of music, her understanding of music, as well as the influence of music on her dance. I truly believe that you will indefinitely enjoy this episode. It's very inspiring, very honest, and very touching the heart. And I'm very, very happy that we had opportunity to record it and now to share with you. I would like to warn you that somewhere in the middle of the episode, you will hit the point that you will hear some a little bit of like sound disruption. Just be aware that at some point during our conversation, we didn't realize right away that Asmara's phone line was... Uh, losing its battery <laughs> but don't worry it was just it will be just a very short brief uh, moment and then we will uh, come back to a normal sound right away because we paused and let the battery charged and then continued our conversation but just be aware and i do want to bring attention because this interview has so many really cool insights and useful information in the beginning in the middle and right at the end so Pay attention, let these ideas and thoughts be absorbed in you and see how it transforms your understanding of music, dance and yourself as a dancer. On this note, let's dive in. Hello, dear Asmara. Welcome to the Belly Dance Live podcast and thank you for uh, joining us today, sharing your time. And now I'm happy to that you become a part of our Belly Dance Live podcast community. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Iana, for inviting me. It is such a pleasure to talk to you and to be part of the Belly Dance Community podcast. Thank you. <laughs> oh, pleasure is mine. Uh, we typically start every conversation from the very beginning because, uh, of course, there are so many topics to talk about, uh, dance, belly dance, your experience, but it's always cool to come back to the very, very beginning. And I would love to ask you, do you remember uh, the moment when you first time encountered belly dance? When you saw Absolutely. it and it was like, oh, that's something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was invited to take a free belly dance class from a friend. And I said to her, why? And she said to me, are you afraid? I said, of course not. You know, I'm always up for a dare. Ah, so I took the class. And the moment I heard the music, I fell in love. Then I saw the movements, and I fell head over heels. That was 45 years ago, and I'm still falling head over heels for the music and the movements. Hmm. So it was your friend teaching, or she invited to join? No, no she, she was working for a company that provided them with exercise classes as part of their wellness, 
Uh-huh. And you're just, that was ahead of the time back in 1976. So she had, she had the, she had the pass and I went in mm. and she's, she just she took the one class and never came back, but I absolutely loved it. Started with one class a week, then two classes a week. Then I started taking classes in Manhattan. Started seeing shows, and again, I am still falling head over heels for this dance. Mm-hmm. There's so much to experience, so much to continue learning and growing. What intrigued you uh, so much back then? Because uh, you just mentioned that you fall in love with uh, music, with movement, but what exactly was so appealing to you? Well, first it was the music. The music was very different from anything that I had heard before. You know, my ear was tuned lightly to a different sound because I was a big Beatles fan. And, of course, the Beatles had the sitar being introduced, so they had some Eastern sound to it. So my ear was already attuned to hearing something different. Plus, my parents had an amazing collection of records from all different walks of life and all different areas. So I was used to hearing, you know, classical music, music from Spain, music from Italy, music from all over the world. But this particular music just touched my soul. There was a depth to it. The instruments just really lifted me. And again, the movements... I had never seen movements like that before. It was so different and so feminine. You know, I had done folk dancing as part of our high school phys ed program. So we danced to Miserlou, to uh, Havana Gila, you know, different different dances from different regions. And I never thought of myself as a dancer because I was, I was the family klutz. You know, if there was a plate, I would chip it. If there was a glass, I would break it. <laughs> you know, I bumped into walls. It, it was, I was not a graceful creature. But one day in in that high school phys ed dance class, we're doing Miserlou. And as we're doing the steps to this Greek folk dance, I suddenly thought to myself, someone should discover I'm a dancer. Oh. And it was years later that I discovered I'm a dancer. So that's, that to me was just such a sweet thing. Now, also, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that about my absolutely amazing mother, who is a fabulous painter. And we grew up with the smell of turpentine and linseed oil 
because she would be painting up all night painting or while we were in school she would paint and she would show her artwork all over the place and when we were growing up when each one of her five children reached the age of seven she grabbed us by the lapels looked us deep in the eyes and said what instrument are you going to play until you finish high school to her it was so important that we had a musical education so each one of us played an instrument so i played flute and we also had a guitar that was passed from the eldest down to the youngest so i played flute i played guitar i could bang out chords on the piano so i have a musical background so in hearing the nigh playing it immediately brought back the flute playing that is in me when i heard the oud i felt the guitar that i played in me never as well as any of the the musicians that i heard but it touched me that it's it's part of me hmm. it's so interesting that you right away were captivated exactly by music and it's indeed something that you are definitely still passionate about uh you even have very interesting uh um part of your website dedicated to what you call dancer's philosophy which talks a lot about musicality but uh, can you tell a little bit more about this idea of uh, why you call it dancer's uh, philosophy and why uh, you decided to put the whole section of your website dedicated to this topic <laughs> well over the years i've written little little articles i've written to people and every now and again i'll look at what i've written or remember what i've said and said you know that's good other people should should hear this other people should read this and it's how i feel when we dance we are dancing our emotions without words but in order to get to that point we need to understand why why are we feeling that emotion at that moment how do we connect the body to the music and to the emotion at the same time so the dancer's philosophies to me perhaps may give somebody insight into a, a tiny aspect because there's so many aspects of connecting yourself to the music to your spirit to your emotion to your audience mm. especially these days and in modern ballet dance we often see a lot of technique uh, but uh, sometimes not that much connection to to music and uh, like the message that we can uh, get from the dancer or see from the dancer <laughs> yes and that's one of the 
that's one of the articles that I wrote, you know, and again, these articles are only, you know, three or four paragraphs long, but one of them is Chops, Heart, and Manor. Chops, okay, a musician's chops means, okay, how is their technique? So a dancer can have the greatest chops in the world, the best technique, but if there's no emotion in what she's doing, the experience isn't fulfilling for the audience. I have seen so many dancers who are just starting out that are filled with emotion and their technique isn't up to par yet, but they shine on stage and they convey an expression of the music. They can grow their chops, but they already have a leg up because they can connect to the music, they can connect to the audience. So it's important for both to have the chops and the emotion. Mm. Yeah, it's like uh, the audience... uh will forgive your lack of technique if they're fulfilled with your emotions, but they will not forgive lack of emotions because otherwise technique will become boring. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The um, And people don't remember. You know, people will not remark about somebody's performance if they're, if they're not touched. You know, technique is one thing, great, but they're not go- you know, they're not going to remember you because you have fabulous technique. They're going to remember you because you connected with them. You also talk a lot about a musical dancer and what uh, it means to be a musical dancer. Can you expand a little bit more here, since we are already talking about this musicality and connection to the music? <laughs> yes. Well, okay. Patting myself on the back here, I'm sorry. I have been described as a musical dancer. You're in people writing about me. She's one of the most musical dancers I've seen, la, la, la. And the title, The Musical Dancer, is, again, how I approach the dance. The dance is led by our emotions in the music. I taught a workshop for many years, and I will be again soon, called Music Mapping, which teaches you how to understand the music, the different instruments that are being used, how a song is formed, what we're listening for, what images you get from the music, what feelings do you get from the music, why did you pick that particular piece, what is the standout moment that made you pick that particular piece of music. So helping dancers connect with their understanding of music, 
helps them to connect better with the music. Now there's, so understanding music. Another point is understanding how you can use the technique that you have to color the music, to enhance the music, to illuminate the music. So if you have music that's running, and you're going, it doesn't match. Mm-hmm. So matching the excitement of the music, matching the energy of the music, using dynamics as a dancer so that everything isn't a monotone. And especially, it's about listening to the music. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of the best compliments I ever received. I was working down in Florida, and I had an amazing band behind me. And in that band was Omar Farouk Tekbalik. I love this man. I've known him for years. I've worked with him a little bit at Faisal's nightclub back in the 80s and 90s. Beautiful man, amazing musician, absolutely amazing musician. And we're in the show, and he plays this incredible nice solo. And it goes on, and it's so beautiful, and it's so wonderful that I'm dancing and waiting for, okay, is this the resolve? Has he finished? Oh, no, he started up again. Okay, good. Is this the resolve? Has he? Are we going on? Oh, no, he's playing again, and it's just beautiful and beautiful. At the end of that night, I went to thank him for playing so beautifully, And he said, I saw you were listening, so God moved me. Mm. Oh. I, and the, the basis is, I saw you listening. So he felt me listening, but he also, as a musician, saw that I was reacting to exactly what he was playing. I wasn't thinking about what I should be doing next or what did I do? Oh, 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 maybe it's time for me to do a snake or oh, 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 I haven't done this yet. Maybe I should do this. I wasn't thinking. I was in the moment and going wherever he would lead me. And he saw And musicians do see. They see if you are reacting to them or if you're just having a good time all on your own. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing this story because it's also a great tip and reminder for all dancers, uh, which, first of all, whenever we're performing with... uh, musicians either it's the whole band or a drum solo or just a drummer 
uh, doing drum, drum solo, we are never doing a solo performance. It's always together with musicians. And yeah. secondly, it's a great reminder and tip that just listen to the music, which sounds so simple, but it's so <laughs> difficult, especially on stage, improvisation, nerves, adrenaline, stress. And, <laughs> and of course, this worriedness, am I boring? Do I need to do more movements? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that thought process of, am I being boring? Maybe I should be doing, let me, let me do a cartwheel, you know. It, that, that puts us out of the music. And it's a constant reminder to let it go. You know, the letting go of the thought process while you are performing is incredibly difficult. You, it's just difficult. And it's with training yourself to let it go and constantly work with improvisation. Now, part of my daily stretches, you know, after I do my 10 minutes of stretching the whole body, I then do body vocabulary. So I go from head to hip with all of the different movements and I try to use music that I've never heard before so that I can practice being in the moment, practice listening and not thinking, having the format of going from head, shoulders, ribcage, hips, helps you not think about what to do next, but to be in the moment, mm. flowing with the music. Ah, that's very interesting uh, exercise. And it's kind of like you need to activate each body part. So at least you know which body part to move, but then you, especially if you're doing it on a regular basis on your own, you also don't need to worry about someone's watching you so you can literally relax and find the flow and literally do this dance body scan, I would say. <laughs> yes, it, it is a dance body scan. So you're working on your technique and one of the benefits of this is that you find different ways to use a movement that you've only done this way for so many years. You know, so I've only done my figure eight this way. Oh, now I can expand it out and pull it back in and change to the other side. You can find different expressions of the music in the music with a particular step. Always in my intensive dance retreat weekends, we have two different exercises that we do. One is how slow can you go, which you hold yourself back and you find every moment of your muscle in doing a particular movement. So especially snake movements or undulations or hip circles. So our 
arm movements, all of these flowing movements, taking it slowly, we feel the energy it takes to do it, to do the movement. It, you feel the body slowing down and you can feel the music physically lifting you or bending you to the movement by slowing down. Another exercise we always do is only one movement. And this I do with myself constantly. Okay, I'm going to take a six-minute song, and I am only going to do snake to this six-minute song. How many snakes can I do? I'm not counting, of course. I'm not counting. Okay, I've, I've done 12 different snakes now. I use the music and find different ways to use the snake movement so that, again, the music can take you in these forms. I love that. I absolutely loved this exercise idea of slowing down how much slow you can go. That's awesome. <laughs> and this is something that is so uh, important for dancers because we rush so much. Uh, not only of this tendency or like stress, like, oh, am I boring? I need to fit thousands of movements in one minute. <laughs> but yes. also because of nerves uh, that if we're performing in front of live audience or knowing that someone is watching us, we get uh, uh, tensed and then we get tensed. We often rush. So this exercise to go opposite, like as slow as possible, uh, that sounds uh, amazing and i can also imagine only imagine how intense it is also because you do have to feel all your muscles in your body throughout every millisecond and millimeter of uh, of the movement so it may look slow but it's actually uh, also very in, in engaging muscle but because it's slow and probably long you also need to find this relaxation moments of not being tensed but being engaged in the movement so there are so many cool things that comes out of this idea yeah. <laughs> and um, the engagement the engagement with the music is such an important thing you know I work quite often with a dear dear friend Sudan Baronian I first met him when I was a baby dancer, and he was actually the first live band that I ever heard. And a few years later, I, got, I started working with him, and we got on so well that when he was doing tours in Switzerland, I was the dancer in the tour. Now, this man is my brother, my mentor, my dear, dear friend. He is so wonderful. And at again, at the intensive dance retreat weekends, I will have Sudan playing clarinet for the dancers who are participating. And one time I asked him, you know, 
most clarinet solos start with one long note that bends a bit, but it's one long note. Why? And he, you know, he said, oh, gee, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm inviting the dancer in. And that statement, I'm inviting the dancer in, to me was so perfect. Invite the dancer in. So he's taking you from the ground up, having that music vibrate from the ground up through your body and ready to fly when he starts to fly. It's it's perfect. It's just beautiful. Mm, it's indeed very beautiful. By the way... Do you remember your very first solo performance <laughs> and how you felt during that time, like during that moment of going on stage? <laughs> well, the the first performances I did with, with was with my first teacher, and you know, it was a group performance. Uh -huh. And the very first group performance, I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me whole. Nobody should see that. Yeah, oh, my God, this is terrible. And I came out of it unscathed. The ground did not open up and take me. The, my first solo instant, you know, I was hired for a party. And I was accompanying this teacher. And the, it, it, it was a horrible party. It was absolutely horrible. The people were drunk and oh, I see. It, it was, and the man bent over and kissed my ass. And I was absolutely disgusted and <sighs> said, this is not what I want to do. This is awful. But there was another party right after that. So we went to that other party and the other party, the people were enthusiastic about the dance. They were cheering. They were attentive. They were fabulous. And I felt, okay, this is good. This is right. And when I started working in the nightclubs with live musicians, it was, ugh. It was heaven. All of the, all of the years of dragging my suitcase around and driving, looking for park. You know, in New York City, you have to circle the block about twenty times before you find a space <laughs> to park. And then, like, okay, twelve blocks, I have to walk with my luggage to to the dance gig. The minute my foot hit the stage, ah, heaven. Absolute heaven. Mm. And it's still heaven. But there's always a little touch of hell right before right before I start performing. There is. Even after all of my years of performing, there's still a nervousness about am I going to do well? Are they going to like me? Is yeah, do I look okay in this costume? All of I have enough energy. 
do I look too old? Do I look too fat? You know, all of this negativeness. And I do my little warm-ups, and I'm listening to them announce my, my name, and my foot touches the floor. I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. And okay, one, one story mm-hmm. about this. My brother passed away, and several weeks later, my dear, dear, dear friend, Haig Manukian, passed away. Now, Haig Manukian was like a brother to me. It was Haig Manukian and Sudan Baronian that we played together for at least 30 years, and he was slowly passing from cancer, and brother passed very quickly from an accident. And my heart was broken, absolutely broken. Now, another dear friend, Sahra Saida, was going to be teaching in Philadelphia, and I love this woman. And another dear friend, Najia, is who sponsored Sahra. So these two dear friends, and I was invited to come, and I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come. You know, again, my heart was broken. So I look on I look on Facebook and go, shit, she has me listed as performing. I don't want to perform. My heart, yeah, I, I, just, I, I can't perform. And I start driving to Najia's place. It's like an hour and a half away. Well, I hit traffic jam after traffic jam after traffic jam. It took me six hours to get there. Mm. Ah. And each time I hit a traffic jam, all I wanted to do was turn the car around, go back home, and pull the covers over my head. Well, I heard my brother's voices, my blood brother and my heart brother say, no, no, go be with your friends, go dance with each and every traffic stop. (laughs) Damn, no, no, be with your friends, dance. Finally, I get there. Now, afternoon comes for preparing for the performance. I go underneath the piano and cover myself with blankets, and I'm crying because I don't want to dance. I just don't want to dance. And again, I heard my brother's voices. No, no. Dance. Talked to the musicians, arranged my show, and I'm dancing not in costume, but in fancy teaching wear. Mm -hmm. They start playing. It's the music isn't fast enough, so I use my finger symbols to get the music up to speed before I hit the dance floor. The moment I heard the music, my heart lifted. I flew. I was so happy, and my heart just filled, and I felt my brothers going, good, you're dancing. You better not stop. So that's that's my story. 
That's a very beautiful and touching story, and thank you for sharing. And uh, oh, yeah, dance can uh, literally get us out of some dark spots sometimes and uh, at the same time it's very difficult sometimes to push yourself to dance and how you was mentioning your story how many times you wanted to turn away uh, back home and you didn't feel like dancing uh, especially in such a uh, intense moments that uh, some crisis hit our life uh, uh like that so thank you so much for sharing and uh, i'm pretty sure like many uh people might have uh, or someone at least uh, might have needed to to hear it right now because uh we all go through different things and especially right now with this worldwide situation that uh, many dancers kind of lose their um, enthusiasm or intention uh, or motivation to to dance uh, uh, it's sometimes uh, good to hear the stories that sometimes we just need to push and let ourselves uh, be like diving into the music and into the dance so thanks for sharing yes well you know so many of us in our lives have had such tremendous life changes that we feel we feel weakened by those changes and we're finding ourselves starting over again starting over again finding our emotions finding finding strength to continue and dance truly does empower us and it gives us inner strength renewed confidence it helps us out of it helps us out of our pit of despair (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah we chatted a little bit before starting the interview uh, since uh, right now I think it's one of those times and periods that a lot of people hit this pit of despair (laughs) with the current situations and uh, um, how for you uh changed maybe or maybe not changed but uh, uh, enhanced the <laughs> relationships with dance in the circumstances of this current situations of lockdowns pandemics and uh, all these uh, uh, twists <laughs> to the world and specifically to our dance world too continuing to dance continuing to grow now I haven't you know, I've performed once on Zoom, and it just, you know, performing for a camera is so different from feeling an audience's reaction. So it didn't feel like a true performance. And I also recorded myself doing the dance seven times, trying to find it right. Whereas in a live performance, you have that one opportunity mm-hmm. to do it. So I've been using this downtime of no audience, no live audience to find my inner strength and to find my connection to dance, to find, find what it is that 
makes me special as a dancer and what I have to offer students as a teacher. So, therefore, the musical dancer series of workshops was formed because that is what my strength is. So looking for our strengths at this time, looking for our growth possibilities during these these down times, that is what I've been working these this past year. Mm. And in your teaching activities, I bet you had many students, or at least a couple, who came to you and said, no, 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 improvisation, no, 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 it's not for me, I'm super terrified, it's not gonna happen, uh, let's do something else, like, I don't know, choreography, but like students who are really afraid of improvisation. Uh, right now, of course, we have the luxury of we can like improvise seven times maybe and choose uh, one of the best ones uh, that we like right. the most. But in the life setting, as you mentioned, it's just one try. That's what you have. Uh, and you just need to do the best out of it. And that really terrifies a lot of people. Yes. How yes, do you approach uh, like those students? Maybe you have some, I don't know tips or suggestions or mindset uh, ideas for them. <laughs> okay. Well, I call improvisation flying blind with a plan. So it's... So what is your plan for the improvisation? First, know the music. The more you know the music... The, the dynamics of the music, the formation of the music, the, what instrument is playing the lead, what moves you about that piece of music, exploring that before you even do a step helps you with improvisation. Now, choreography helps us to improvise. When we have a choreography, we then have a pattern of steps that we can follow, that we can then release ourselves from. Most of the uh, big performances that I've done, you know, stage performances, like with the New York Theatrical Belly Dance Conference, or with the concerts that I did with Saz Dance Theater, or with Oriental Images, I would have choreography to the specific piece of music and practice it and practice it and practice it. Keep practicing it to find the nuances in the music that perhaps I missed the first hundred times that I danced to it. And then to incorporate those nuances. Now then, you've got the choreography. You've got the choreography in your soul, in your body's physical memory, so that when it comes time to perform, you can leave the choreography and go where 
your emotions take you. So there's a format that you're that you know that you can then release. So a lot of your choreography may come out while you're thinking of thinking that, okay, I'm improvising. So let it, because that's part of your movement vocabulary. That's part of your understanding of the music. Our jobs as dancers is to illuminate the music, to be one with the music, and to have the music move through us and allow the audience to see the music. Hmm. When you were talking about uh, knowing uh things about music, uh, you mentioned formations of the music. What exactly did you mean by that? Okay, that is the, the patterns that the music takes. So, for example, a normal song, and let's just use um, a Beatles song as a reference. They will have a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus. Is there anything that you want? Is there anything I can do? Okay, so that's the verse. Have the chorus. Just call on me and I'll send it along with love from me to you. So then we have part A, the verse. Part B, the chorus. Then the verse repeats. Then the chorus repeats. Then it goes to a different part of the theme where it's modulated, it's changed, it's maybe it's changed its key, it's ch- maybe it's changed its rhythm, and then it goes back to the verse and chorus. So verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Verse is A, chorus is B. The change is So, a musical format, listening to a song, you'll hear a theme, so you can call that theme A. Does that theme repeat or does it change? Okay, so A, it repeats again, A. Okay, there's a little change B, and then it goes back to A. Now it's changed completely. It's C. Now it goes back to, oh, it goes back to B. And then A and B. So that's what I mean by formatting. So mapping out what the music says, which again requires a lot of thinking. So let's use a common song. Ya Ein Mulya King, also Shashkin. It starts off da 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 and so on. That's theme A. Da da ba ba da ba da ba ba da. That's theme B. So you have A theme B. How many times in this version does theme A repeat? Sometimes it's twice. Sometimes it's three times. Sometimes B 
modeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. So knowing the music, knowing that format that the music has a theme, the theme repeats, it's a new theme, it changes completely, it goes back to one of the themes. By knowing that, you're better able to plan the dynamics of your choreography. You're better able to connect with all of the different themes. Hmm. Right. This is like listening throughout the music and uh, if you're choreographing, also planning sort of the arc of choreography, knowing like which sections will be where, like if they're repeating, if they have different the dynamics that you can maybe do. Maybe don't do like, I don't know, like hundreds of shimmies in the beginning because there will be like a good section for that later in the song or something like that. <laughs> You are also uh, known as a dancer specializing in uh, Turkish style, but I know that you uh, do not consider yourself as a Turkish style dancer. That is correct. I am not Turkish style. Um, I am me. And when people ask, what style dance are you? I have to answer me. I am me. So the, the, I love dancing to Turkish music, but it's me. It's me that's dancing. I'm not dancing specifically Turkish style. Now I will use Turkish moves that I've learned from all of these great Turkish teachers. Also from watching the audience you know, working in the Turkish clubs, working in all of those clubs back in the eight, 70s and 80s, I would watch like a hawk what the dance, what the audience was dancing. I would join in the line dances and use those movements in my dance, using movements from Artemis, Artemis Morat and her fabulous, totally Turkish workshops, Eva Chernak with her amazing Ram knowledge from Anahid Sofian, from her years of working with Turkish dancers and learning from Turkish dancers. So when the music is Turkish, those steps will come out as well as other movements that I've learned from fabulous other teachers. So Sahra Saida is another fabulous teacher, and she is Egyptian style, and she does the history of the dance, and it's fabulous. But I will use those movements in whatever dance I'm doing. Hmm. So my style is me, <laughs> me. I started off as Vintage Oriental, where we dance to music, from everywhere, from Morocco, from Egypt, from Lebanon, from Syria, from Turkey, from Greece, from Israel. We dance to all of those pieces of music. And all of those audiences would be there. So when their song would come on, they would jump up and dance. 
and I would watch them, the Armenians, the Armenians. I worked in an Armenian club for about a year, and it was so enjoyable to watch the fluid motion of the hands and the very soft hip work of all of the married women. The unmarried women would be shaking their butts, they would be shaking their shoulders, <laughs> they would be shimmying all over the place, all over the place. But the minute the ring went on their fingers, it suddenly became this sensuous, soft, little, I'm a woman dance. So using those audience dance movements, incorporating it into whatever music is playing for me. That is my style. So my style is me. Don't put me in a box. I am me. I am Asmara. Mm. Well, I was about to joke that... Uh... Married, the heaviness of married life makes us slow down, but you described it much better. <laughs> yes. Uh, woman, I am a woman. I uh, And I loved it. Absolutely mm. love it. Mm. And again, so many Armenian keftai I've, I've gone to, I've seen the same thing over and over again. Just such beautiful soft movements and so womanly and it's interesting how it again comes for you like for the center point i i kind of feel of our entire conversation is musicality and uh, you mentioned that you are doing uh, these days even online series about uh, musicality. So can you share a little bit more about your current online classes and what people can expect? Is there any upcoming soon a series in uh, a spring or early summer that they may uh, check uh, out and where they can find more information about that? Okay, so they can go to my website asmara.com A-S-Z-M-A-R-A and they can see my current schedule. I teach a workshop the first Saturday of every month noon American Eastern Standard Time to 2 o'clock. I just did Stomp the Earth and Touch the Sky which again explores our connection to the earth and aspiring up to heaven and using our movements to feel the earth and to feel that rising up through the music. I also did flight and float where again we're using the emotion of the music to move us in certain ways. The next one I'm doing on May 1st will be seeds and roots. So here we'll be taking some of the root movements from Turkish, from Turkish, from Arabic, from the Gawazis. You know, I was fortunate enough, oh, so fortunate, to accompany Sahra Saida on one of her journey to Egypt trips and be her research assistant. And I had a private session with Khairiya Mazin. 
and it was totally amazing. I cried the entire time because I've been reading about this woman for 40 years and to learn the movements exactly from her was fabulous. So we'll be doing some of Khairiya Mazin's movements, Gawazi. We'll be taking that and like a seed unfurling, growing with the movements. And do you have any ideas for upcoming workshops in June? In June, I'm not sure yet. I, I go month by month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stomp the earth and touch the sky. I did um, classic cabaret, Kashlama. And all of these are actually available um, via Zoom recordings. So they can contact me at osmara.com and get a week's worth of unlimited viewing of the different workshops that I have. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great uh, uh, tip for all dancers because uh, those topics were very intriguing and interesting and it's like oh such a shame that it happens just once <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's awesome that you're also offering the recording uh recordings uh, access to the recordings of this workshop so dancers can check even if they missed the actual like live uh, online uh workshop that's awesome yes And uh, do you uh, have any favorite social media page where you share all those updates? Yes, I am on Facebook as Asmara Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y. I will definitely include links to your social media as well as to your website, to the show notes of this uh, episode. So all listeners, you know, you can find all links and information there and easily connect to our guest and uh, follow the news and updates about uh, current activities and classes. I also know that you are planning an event, a live event in September. Well... That depends on how the COVID situ- that depends on how the COVID situation progresses. Um, because it's a retreat and people will be sharing bedrooms and beds, I'm not quite sure whether it's going to happen, but I do hope that it happens. I will know by the end of June whether we feel it's safe enough to happen. But yes, the Asmara Intensive Dance Retreat Weekend, where on Saturday we have musicians joining us for classes. We have Sudan Baronian with clarinet, who we talk about music. So I ask him questions. He answers the questions. And then we dancers fulfill the question. We explore that question. We have Robert Bogosian on Oud. We have Mal Stein on Doombeck. And having each musician for an hour talking about the music and my asking questions and then finding exercises to go along with these adventures in music 
it's fabulous. And then in the evening, they play for us, and we we do our shows, and it's quite wonderful. So, inshallah, it will happen this year. And I also want to say to all of my podcast listeners of Iana's Belly Dance Life podcast, talk to musicians. Ask them questions. That I've been asking musicians questions from the very beginning of my career. I will hear a song that they're playing, and when they get off, when they get off stage, I will ask them, what was that song? Where is it from? Ooh, that's great. What's, what's the rhythm? Can you play it for my show next week? You know, so it's, it's a wonderful way of increasing your knowledge and your connection to dance. Talk to musicians. Mm, that's a great uh, great tip and great advice as well as uh, an interesting event to definitely keep an eye on your website and Facebook announcements <laughs> or whether, whether it happens or not I hope it will happen and wish oh, you wish you good luck with all organizations but I can only imagine how tense right now it is for all, for all event organizers with this very um uncertain still situation sort of like okay it's getting better maybe we can plan something but who knows yeah. still maybe it's not gonna happen so wish you good luck and uh, a lot of it it definitely requires a lot of courage and bravery right now to plan any live event so <laughs> good for you yes, yes it's true it's so true And right now, I just have to say, Ayana, uh-huh. I am looking at a picture from your Facebook page of you, I believe, is that a Persian dance that you're doing from the uh, the dance weekend with stars in Warsaw. Your expression is so beautiful, as well as the pose of your hand. So you have that beautiful crown and the beautiful embroidered dress and the veil flowing from your head is that a persian dance you're doing yes that was performance uh, persian style classical style <laughs> thanks <laughs> oh beautiful absolutely beautiful and your expression to me says that you are in the music in the moment so beautiful that's what all we dancers aspire to being in the moment Oh, thank you so much. Well, I also would like to thank you for sharing your time and your knowledge, experience and stories with us today. It was very inspiring and insightful conversation. Uh, uh, so many thoughts and ideas and uh, actual like, tips, suggestions and even exercises you shared with us about developing uh, musicality and dance vocabulary, which is own individual style for every dancer so thank you so much for being with us on the podcast and i'm very happy we uh, did uh, this recording and we thanks to technologies connected <laughs> regardless of time space and any circumstances in the world <laughs> yes yes it's it's so amazing it has saved us throughout this pandemic being able to connect 
technologically. <laughs> technologically. <laughs> yes, that's true. And I always uh, finish every, sum up every uh, interview with our traditional question. Uh, we have one that I ask absolutely every guest on the podcast, regardless of what we talked uh, during the interview itself. We kind of covered it, but I still think it would be a very nice way to summarize our conversation for today. So the question sounds like this. What makes you fall in love with belly dance again and again? So you keep doing it for so many years. <laughs> Okay, it is the constant learning, the constant exploration. So in learning, I have, I have taken workshops and classes with Artemis Murat, Sahra Saida, Lee Ali, Eva Chernak, Dawn Devine, Anahid Sophia in Morocco. All of these people add to your knowledge, and with knowledge, There's more things to explore. And that learning is so exciting. Exploring is so exciting. And bringing it into yourself, making you your own dancer, not an imitation of anyone else, but becoming yourself and being one with the music. That is what keeps me keeps me going, keeps me growing, keeps me happy. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.